lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings to all of you. Happy Friday. Thank you for tuning in here today. Live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and joining us in a matter of moments for the Dace Group, former Tulsi Gabbard for President Strategist Paul Alexander. Good to see him again. He is uh, still surviving there in New York City. But for how long? That is anybody's guess. Let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Follow me on Twitter and get her at Steve Day Show and get clips of the show that you can watch for free and free of censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And yes, we are up finally on Truth Social. I just forget to post there. I got to... Got to remember that that's there. Uh, at Real Steve Dace is where you can find us on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace. And Built.com, because I actually forgot to mention Built Bar yesterday. So I'm going to make sure I don't mention I don't forget that two days in a row. Okay. Because my status as an absolute Built Bar slappy was called into question after we had such a riveting conversation yesterday with Yoram uh, Hazoni uh, about his book on the future of conservatism. And dude was on a roll. And what I'm, I'm not going to stop a guy who says, I'm not even a Christian, but we really need a reassertion of Christianity in America. <laughs> I'm not stopping that guy from talking, not even for Built Bar, and I just forgot. Uh, so I want to make sure I don't forget so that my street cred as America's leading, self-proclaimed, of course, but that's what we do these days. We just proclaim ourselves and our own identities, regardless of whether there's any truth or merit behind said claims. Uh, as your self-proclaimed America's leading Built Bar slap. Let me remind you right here off the top, it is the greatest protein bar of all time, and you're going to find it at Built.com, B-U-I-L-T, and if you use my last name, Dace, as the promo code, you're going to get 15% off your order, 15% off with the promo code Dace, the greatest protein bar. I just had mine as my morning snack on the way in. You cannot beat it, loaded with flavor, covered in real chocolate, and not loaded with the carbs, calories, and sugars that you don't want. Don't make the choice between healthy eating and good-tasting eating any longer with Built Bar. Built.com, promo code DACE to get 15% off. All right, we will, of course, have Feedback Friday next hour of the show. But we begin on a Friday, as we always do, with the DACE group. Your weekly look at the week that was begins with issue one. Bleep, Lord Nefarious says. Okay, hold on. You love it, and you want it, and you picked it out, but you don't. But you don't want it for school. Can you tell me why? Because last time I wore a dress to school, everybody called me a girl. Well, what did we learn from my shadow is pink? Even when you wear a dress, you're not a girl. What makes a shirt for a boy or a girl? Nothing. So do you want this? You picked it out. I do want it. You want to wear it all the time at home, but not at school, right? Yeah. Tell me about that. I don't want to get made fun of. And that's what they always do when I wear stuff. I'm sorry, But baby. not when I do it only on special occasions. What makes you like dresses so much? 
I just like dresses. What do you say a woman is? I believe that everyone can identify for themselves. Okay. Um, do, do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions? Yes. What is the principal distinction between the human being that is two years old or nine months old or one week old or an hour old than one that is eight inches further up the birth canal in the utero? What, what's the difference? Why is it okay in the latter case and not the former cases? Trust people to determine what to do with their own bodies. Wow. Full stop. Do you believe in abortion after birth? Would you, would you support that? I believe in whatever the woman wants to choose to do, that's her choice. At any point of the child's life? At any point of the lady's life, that's her choice. To kill another person's body? It's going to always be her choice. Even after the baby's born? It's always her choice. So if they're two years old? It's always her choice. I can kill my two-year-old. It's a woman's right to choose. To kill their child at any point. It's a woman's right to choose. We're here today because we both like science and love God. And we don't think the Christian faith and science are at odds. To teach the children well doesn't mean we have to tell them that the Bible isn't true or that science has it out for you. We don't think we're mistaken if we quote from Francis Bacon, who said God has given two great books, so open book and take a look at scripture and at nature so we can celebrate your grand design. Why, it's divine! And we will find God has a mind in faith and science just don't have to be at war. I'm here with Francis Collins. He created the coronavirus in a bathtub with Bill Gates so they could implant us all with microchips and control our brains and take away our freedoms. I have to pause because the blaze does not want me to say what I am really thinking. Okay. Uh, Ish, uh, where are we at? Uh, first question. Paul, you need to talk. What was the most demonic of the demonic this week? Go ahead, sir. Well, first and foremost, Steve, I just want to give my condolences to you and Amy for the passing of your father-in-law. Thank sincerely. you. Thank you very, very much. Um, and let me let me say, I've gotten a, I've gotten a ton of emails from listeners. I want to say thank you to all of them. And I didn't want to bog down the show with it, uh, but uh, we I will address it uh, in the overtime today uh, a little bit more in detail. But thank you, Paul. We appreciate that. Yeah. So regarding the montage, I um, I've had a difficult week personally, and I I woke up this morning feeling, shall we say, a little urzen. Um, so I didn't want to. You're doing shots back. of vinegar now. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't with a with a, with a with a with a pure iodine chaser. Almost, not yeah. quite, but yeah. I was getting there. So yeah. I didn't want to bring that that anger and negativity onto the show. It's a Friday. We want to have a good time, and so I thought to myself, what's the one thing that can lift everyone's spirits and also bring people together? And I thought pictures of Jill Savage. Well, well, that I mean, would lift your spirits anyway. Those that would lift yeah, your spirits. Yeah, yes. But, yeah. But the the great unifier is is music. So today, Steve, oh, I no. wanted to be the first guest in Dace Group history to give a live musical performance on air. This is a song 
about truth, about faith, about hope. It's a song written by Francis Collins and Phil Vision, creator of VeggieTales. And it's really a song about you and I, Steve. We're here today to talk about the science and love God, but we don't think the Christian faith and science are at odds. To teach the children well doesn't mean we have to tell them that the Bible isn't true or that science has it out for you. Oh, baby, give me one chance, Jill. You savage my heart, you savage my soul. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll find God has a mind. His grand design is so divine. And faith and science just don't have to be at war. And Dr. Oz is one of us, should we say more? Thank you, Pfizer and Moderna, for the cure. Now get your booster shots and wear your mask outdoors. That was good. That was that was even that was even kind of in tune. That was good. That was good. I hope I I can heal you and your broken heart. I I I do. I've I think I've just been uh, slain in the spirit right now. In fact, lie here on the program. Thank you, Benny. Todd. Uh, it's impossible to pick on that one. So the, you, you were, when the camera was not on as that was rolling, you were kind of, yeah, you were kind of losing your stuff there a few minutes ago. Yeah. But you were, see, you were right, Paul waking up Erzin. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how, you know, things are right in your world, but let right out of the gate that, um, that mom and her son and just, Multiply that by the teachers that are doing that to all kinds of kids who aren't their children. Uh, you are you are dealing with a wickedness that um, is unparalleled in all of human history. It, it, I know that's really really hard when you just heard uh, that it, the, the gaslighting. From Collins and VeggieTales guy. Or Paul attempt to Cyrano de Bergerac, Jill Savage, but yes. Yeah. Gotta try, man. Because that is respect. I respect the game. I respect it. Go ahead. Because that is gaslighting. They're telling you that uh, th- those crazy conspiracy theorists over there, which is their only thing they're going to be able to say the more obvious things become. It's, it's just going to be pure psychological warfare. They have to try to make you be uh afraid of one plus one equals two it, like thinking that believing that means you're a racist uh you are being experimented on your children are being ex- look at that boy look at the goodness in him try to fight back mm. and the person that he all knows he's linked to more than anybody in his life is just actively sabotaging it that is evil that as uh, uh, Boromir once said, does not sleep. You must defeat it. And I don't know how much time there is left. Aaron. I'm, my brain is all over the place with, uh, with uh, watching that montage again and, and watching Paul. Uh, it's kind of hard <laughs> to narrow down here. 
I will say the the Francis the Francis Collins and Phil Vischer thing is not a departure from what we watched for the pr- for previous two minutes. There's no difference in the gaslighting that Todd just pointed out of Phil Vischer ostensibly making fun of the same people, the same believers who made him probably very rich, making fun of them, denigrating them, as if anybody who has any problems with the science automatically believes that uh, Francis Collins and Bill Gates made COVID together in a bathtub. That's what he's saying there. That's what he's saying there. There's no difference between that, really, and I believe in persons and a person's right to do what they want with their own body. Full stop. There's no difference. It's the same spirit of the age driving both of them. So probably the Francis Collins, Phil Vischer thing. Let's get to the exit question. On a scale of one to ten, with one being the odds we will ever see a man get pregnant, and ten being the odds that Lindsey Graham will uh, never impregnate a woman. Rate this week's level of total depravity, Paul. Steve, the longer you continue to put me in these uncomfortable situations with your mischaracterization of Lindsey Graham, the longer I have to make you uncomfortable. So I'm going to make a confession right now to you and your audience. Do you know that on my nightstand, I keep a framed 8x10 of Dr. Oz and Michelle Obama? I just, I just wanted you to know that, Steve. <laughs> You do oh, this to boy. yourself, Steve. You do it to yourself. I do. I, I walk into it every single time you're on here. I do. <laughs> Actually, they do it to me every single time. You're, And you just remind me of that every single time you're on here. But yes, Todd. Ten. Aaron. Ten. You know, there is a new app right now that is a really cool idea as we're talking about transforming the marketplace. For example, did you guys see Netflix did a bunch of uh, woke layoffs the yeah. other day? Yeah. I, I guess, you know, losing... Uh, double digits of your uh, share value over the course of just a few months will finally maybe get your attention. Well, if you want to, if you want to, just about anywhere you're going in a country, uh, find out if there are businesses that you can do business with who share your values. There's this new app that you can download for free right now. It's really cool. It's called Public SQ for Public Square. Public SQ for Public Square. It's in the Apple App Store right now, as well as the Google Play App Store. If you've got an Android phone, you can create a free account. Begin your search to connect with other freedom-loving Americans within their local communities and businesses that share your values. And you can list your business there for free so that your local community can find you today. Just download the app today. Public SQ. That's Public SQ for Public Square. Public SQ. Let's get to issue two. At two, Elon. Billionaire Elon Musk has kept his name in the news this week again, first with the revelation that his deal to buy Twitter for over $40 billion could be in jeopardy pending an audit of Twitter's daily user base, which the company says is only comprised of less than 5% in bots. A study cited by Musk tends to dispute that. The results of this audit could mean that the deal to buy Twitter could be repriced lower in favor of Musk, or if the bots are actually a lot more prevalent, could mean the end of Twitter. Then there were his comments about Joe Biden. Yeah, it's hard to tell what Biden's doing, to be totally frank. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel, I feel like it's the, weekend the, at Bernie's. The, 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 the real president is whoever controls the teleprompter. You know, it's like it's like the, the, the path to power is the path to the teleprompter. You know, like what? Because what, that then he just reads the teleprompter. So you know, I, I do feel like, like if, if somebody would accidentally lean on the lean on the teleprompter, it's going to be like Anchorman. It's going to be like QQQ ASDF one two three, you know, type of thing. Um, <laughs> Additionally, Musk tweeted this week he's considering voting Republican this coming election. Anyway, here's Steve on April 29th. Uh, my prediction is there's going to be at least one attempt. Between now and October, when the sale would be scheduled to go through, there will be at least one attempt to Kavanaugh Elon Musk. At Mm. least one. Mm. Yep. In the next, so that in the next six months, there will be at least one attempt to do it. Last night, Business Insider published the following: A SpaceX flight attendant said Elon Musk exposed himself and propositioned her for sex. Documents show the company paid two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for her silence. Didn't he offer her a horse? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he offered her a horse or something is the claim in the story there. So I, I am fascinated watching this. And I don't, I don't mean to keep going back to the same well over and over again. I think this is the third straight week we've had an Elon Musk topic here on the show. But I am, I am fascinated watching this take place. The guy is literally going out there. He is calling his shot on how they will come after him after he says something, and then they actually go and do it like the very next day. He's done this on two or three different occasions. Yesterday, he uh, posted a meme. You want to talk about burning bridges, man. He posted a meme yesterday. Ladies, mansplaining actually means <laughs> that the man is explaining. Okay? I mean, there are there are... I mean, hey... You want to say you're frustrated about record inflation, so you're voting GOP and all that other stuff. That's one thing, man. Okay, but but now you're going to literally step on shibboleths and smash them with a steel with the heel of a steel-toed boot in public and rub our noses in it. Them's fighting words. So I mean, he got uh, uh, I think dewokeified from that ESG consortium on Wall Street. Yep. This has just been extremely fascinating to me to watch. So for a first question. Does the world's richest man, do you guys think he had, there's an end game here? Has he undergone some sort of spiritual or philosophical awakening? See his chummy relationship with the Babylon Bee, which originally began as a Christian satire site and has continued with that, but has expanded beyond just, you know, uh, mocking some of the most uh, mockable and deservingly so aspects of modern American Christianity, but to broader cultural content. Or is he, or is he trying to take over Twitter and now announcing He'll be voting Republican. Are these just simply reactions in real time to what's become of Democrats? You know, and he's just a lot like a lot of Americans in this particular cycle. He's just richer than all of them. What do you think's going on here? Todd, I'll start this time with you. Well, the being richer helps a lot. I mean, having that FU money is just kind of make can make you bulletproof uh, in a lot of ways. But, we, you know, we've seen this comedians, we've seen this, even though on the pro-life issue, you just lamented how he lost his mind. But what's the uh, Barstool Sports guy? Da- Portnoy. Portnoy. We got COVID. Yeah. We saw him have epiphany. Yeah. yeah. I, I think everybody. But now he's come back and said, hey, if they overturn Roe, I don't care what the I, economy yeah, is. Know, I'm voting I Democrat. Know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So there's, but there's, it, it happens to different people, different ways, different times, but you just, you, you're finding out, honestly, what 
this is actually just a, a real guy. And I this is important to say in light of we have for so long think a, a, a real grandpa Christian is that musical act that we just saw. Really, we we believe that. Hmm. And there's like, when is there any Old West at all in our our sensibilities? Good news, we're on the path to finding out money. I'll just leave it there, but But, go ahead. But I've I've just started watching with my wife, uh, 1883, and just the the uncompromising nature of reality back then. If, If you could not man up, it, and it's not not just uh, fists and guns. There's that too. But you don't. You just could not put your life on cruise control. It was impossible. And now we think that we can. And a guy like Elon Musk has as much money to do that as po- as possible. But he's not. He's entering a fray on multiple levels, and he's doing it on other people's behalf. Mm-hmm. He he's he he's saying this the version of reality you're selling me just sucks. And I want something better, not for my just for myself, but for other people. That is just being a guy. He's he, he and we find that with DeSantis as well. DeSantis is there's no talking points, there's no uh agenda other than I'm sick of this. And I'm setting the terms, and I'm going to find you, and I'm going to win. It's damn refreshing, and it can look in a lot of different ways. Elon Musk is not Ron DeSantis, is not Steve Dace. Is he James Woods? Because that's kind of what you're describing, is the transition that that James Woods made from the 80s to Mm -hmm. the public uh, persona that he has today. Yeah. So, Paul, your perspective on this, I think, will be the most fascinating all right, because you come from a side of the street that we don't necessarily, and you uh, talk to people that we don't necessarily. So what's your view of this? More than likely, it's real-time reaction. He's simply noticing where the vitriol that's being directed at him is coming from, and it's almost exclusively from the left. And for the sin of what exactly? Championing free speech. Mm-hmm. So if that's his personal experience right now. Why would he continue to vote for the party that is actively fostering this culture? Based on what I know about Elon, he appears far more like a libertarian than a Republican. What should I be, by the way, it should be noted that his, one of his original business partners over there at, P, at PayPal, Peter Thiel, yeah. who is is has he, who's openly gay, but. Is a, is a is a is an interesting figure in that he actually is a fair is fairly right wing on a lot of things other than the gay marriage issue is not like the Koch brothers who were trying to move the Republican Party to the left. Thiel tends to promote and uh, and and uh, fund a lot of hard right or pure MAGA candidates and and uh, and causes. And so he has and that relationship, of course, goes back to what the early 90s. We're going back 30 years. So there there's at least some cross pollination with people on my side of the street that Elon Musk has had before somewhere along the way. Look, personally, what I wish someone with his means would consider rather than simply voting GOP and further validating this 
toxic, broken duopoly is investing some of his resources into elevating a viable third party, work with the Libertarian Party, work with Andrew Yang's forward party. That Mm. could actually change how our political system operates rather than just voting GLP out of protest. I, I might actually agree with you on that. Uh, oh, give just them time. On, uh, just on uh, sheer principle, because you know me, I'm a huge fan of the duopoly. Aaron. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think Elon Musk is, uh, I, if you force me to pick from, from one of those options, it would be uh, a reaction. To me, it seems like there's a little bit of Trump in him. A little bit of Trump in him, where he, in, in the sense that he is just unafraid to challenge shibboleths, to st- step on people's toes, um, in that sense, without the without the grating ness necessarily of 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 Donald Trump that he's he's always brought to the table. I, I think the number one thing with Musk is one, he's got a few money, as Todd pointed out, and two, I think he has realized. Hey, um, even if I didn't have FU money, I'm surrounded in this culture, in this country, in this climate. I am surrounded by absolute pansies. Hmm. What what happens if I just like start calling bluffs here? What, yeah. What what just happens start if I calling just, hands at the what's, table? What, what happens yeah. if I just start uh, tearing bleep up? Yeah. What, what's who? I what, got the biggest chip stack. So why don't we start calling yeah, hands? What, well, yeah. Let's just find out. Let's yeah. just find out. Yeah. I think that's and I think yes. because he is so rich. What we're seeing now, this is just fun to him. Yeah. It's just fun. We can't we can't comprehend that. None of us have anything close to that. This is just fun. He's just having fun right now. Yeah, that's a good way of to further quantify the point you were trying yeah. to make. That there's just some good old fashioned we're not used to seeing this. No. But this is just masculinity, alpha male, mine's bigger than yours. Um, and yeah, I, I there there does seem to be an awakening there, which is I'm sitting on the biggest chip stack. Why am I taking anything from any of you people on any level? whatsoever we're just not used to seeing that because we've for the last generation or so we have been conditioned as americans to uh to try to stymie that stifle that don't rock the boat thank you again yes exit question so let's get to the end game in the end will elon musk prove to be most likely one of the following caricatures a the antichrist b the next billionaire turned hero of the people, which you were kind of hinting at there a minute ago, Aaron. Or C, just an ordinary dude with extraordinary money. What do you think, Todd? I think it's C. You just think it's just that simple? Okay. What do you think, Aaron? I think it is. I, I, I think it is C. Paul? Yeah, I think B is a possibility, but if I had to pick one, I would say C. Hmm. What I think it's most likely C2. What makes it be? What, 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 what would make it be, Aaron? I think the size of his portfolio staying steady and or increasing. What do you think of that? Well, I think what makes it be is if it's a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing like like conservative book selling junkets you know there's a lot of talk but it's actually producing nothing like he once we see this close on twitter if yeah. it closes do people get their accounts back does he really change anything or was just like a yeah mega moment yeah i think it's fascinating 
but you know, we went through this with Trump. The guy donated money to Planned Parenthood. The guy donated money to Al Sharpton. Believe me, I helped do some of that oppo research for the Cruz campaign. So I know it all still, chapter and verse. Um, but he genuinely did really, uh, you know, look, he did really care about the goofy bastards out there. He really did care. He does care about the average guy. He does. Okay. And that's, that's always been his secret sauce uh, since he first came down that escalator in 2015. It is fascinating that we could be sitting here in an era where we're even contemplating that a guy that is really the original electric, or at least the, the J.R. Ewing, J.P. Morgan of the electric car movement, right? So there's alternative fuels, mm-hmm. has at least indicated some level, not of, of a Klaus Schwabian proportion, but some level of science fiction as reality uh, that could be interpreted to some favorable elements of the transhumanist agenda. Fair. Yeah. Let's colonize space, right? Okay. It, it would be, it, I mean, that would kind of be par for the course with the signs right. of the times of if that's the guy that's the new man yeah. of the people. But one, right. of the, one of the things that gives me hope is that he knows the joke. He, the Anchorman reference. Yes. that's he's a, He gets the joke and he, he sees uses, it everywhere. He uses memes and p- talking points yes. that we would bring up and talk yes. about on a show like this, for example. Yeah. All right, we will come back and, and just ask, try to ask a simple question. What the hell is going on in Ukraine? I mean, what, what, does anybody know? We'll find out when we return. During these unprecedented times, you want to make sure you get into the real estate market with an agent that you'll be recommending to people you care about many years later, like I had uh, the last time we got into the housing market. And 16 years later, I'm still recommending that exact same agent to my producer, Aaron. And he used our agent, Scott, uh, him and Bella did to get through their first ever home ownership experience and help you navigate these treacherous waters. How did that go? Uh, great. It went. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a, a better process for uh, speaking for myself. Uh, a nervous, uh, slightly neurotic first-time home buyer. So, if that's you, um, or you're just neurotic because you've done this before, so you know you need to be neurotic about it. Uh, make sure you go in and find yourself an agent that you can trust, someone that you'll be recommending for years to come to the people that you care about. When you go to realestateagentsitrust.com, again, just about anywhere you want to move to or from here in the U.S., we can help you find one. That's a real estate agent that you can trust at realestateagentsitrust.com. Let's bring back in Paul Alexander for the Dace Group, and let's get to issue three. What the hell is going on in Ukraine? I have no idea what's going on in Ukraine, so here's Opie from Family Guy to explain. Nevertheless, the Senate followed in the footsteps of the House this week and passed a $40 billion aid package for Ukraine to be signed by Joe Biden. In addition, two of Russia's Nordic neighbors, Finland and Sweden, officially applied for membership to NATO this week as well. Oh, so I I just want off the top of my head. Let me just give you guys a few of the headlines I've seen in the last couple of weeks, okay, that, and just see if you can try to make some sense out of them, okay? That, that, that isolated battalion that's, that from the early days of the Russian invasion that stood up to them that became a cause celeb, okay? That's not true. Uh, the port, whose name I can't pronounce because I barely follow this because I don't care like most Americans, 
uh, the, the port that supposedly the brave Ukrainian freedom fighters and the neo-Nazi units that they have to use, apparently, were holding back uh, the Russian invaders uh, from taking control of. They, they actually just surrendered it. Putin. See, this is going to make me sound like a Putin apologist, and, and I'm not. OK, it's just this this coverage is so biased. I'm just I'm just going to tell you what I've seen. OK, Vladimir Putin has an operation could be at death's door 48 hours later. Putin uh, decides he's a better general than his generals takes over the war. Right. Am I, uh, these are all headlines that have that have run just in the last couple of weeks. OK. Oh, and by the way, Kiev is under siege but the world's most popular rock band, the First Lady of the United States, and the Republican Senate leadership delegation can just go there and perform virtue signal photo op, or in the case of Jill Biden, literally just walk down the street. Do I have that correct, guys? Those are all headlines that have occurred in the last few weeks for what Mitch McConnell claims is the most important story in the world right now. Right now. Okay. $40 billion, including my former boss claiming they're going to reform the Soviet Union if we don't stop them. Yes, Ted, I love you, brother, but you're right. Those Russian, please take those talking points back to 87. Those Russian oligarchs, yes, they'll absolutely, you're right, they'll sign over those billions of dollars and, and all and their harems and their yachts, and they'll sign it all over for Das Kapital. Now, I, I mean... What the hell is this? Does anybody know what this is? Anybody? Floor is open. Can anyone make any sense out of this whatsoever? Well, in uh, I've mentioned in the show, it's been a long time, a great book about World War One, The Guns of August. Yes. By Barbara Tuckman. Yep. And the beginning is the most fascinating part. She just describes the ebb and flow of European history and how the... Higher, genteel, expert class. Does any of this ring a bell? Just, you know, it was just kind of time again to sort things out right. as we do yeah. amongst the incestuous families. Of the Habsburg dynasty, uh, yeah. yes, that are all related. Uh, yeah. Yes. But what they really did not comprehend or bank on is how the weapons of warfare had kind of cla- that you know it the, the gas the trench warfare the automatic weaponry all of that stuff that that the, it turned what, what the, in their mind they were fighting the old war and the new war came up and just right. here's mustard gas here's yeah. airplanes yes. yes biological weapons and gas masks yes this has the feeling of the Ukraine of the the this expert, is a great analogy the by expert the way. class the smart set. All just you know, doing what we do. It, it, it's the time. CFR is the new Habsburgs, yeah. and, and 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 the Putin wing and the and the WEF yeah. Soros wing is just deciding yeah. amongst themselves who gets to yeah. money their, their laundry and drugs and and bioweapons through Ukraine, basically. Because it's clear, like this is they're not fighting for the people. I mean, it's isn't it abundantly clear in all this that the people, whoever they are, wherever they live, are utterly expendable in all of this. So it was then. There's nothing new under the sun. I, I just, at, at the very least, I see that going on here. Plus, Hail Hydra. That's as good of a damn explanation as I have heard anybody, anybody offer since this mess began with the Russian invasion a couple of months ago. Who wants to take the next stab at it? Paul, you want to go ahead? Sure. Uh, and that was 
interesting analysis by Todd, a perspective I, I really hadn't contemplated much before. Um, you know, first, yes, on a very fundamental level, I care. Does this overtake all other domestic issues? And am I, you know, personally consumed with this conflict? No, but I believe it is important. Now, I am not, nor will I ever be, someone who pretends to have expertise in a subject because I want to feel important and hear myself talk. I, I don't have an intricate knowledge of this conflict. So all I can say is this. The fact that Ukraine is not under the control of Russia and is still a sovereign nation three months after this invasion started, I think that in itself has to be considered a victory of sorts. Most experts expected Russia to make short work of the Ukraine. Clearly that hasn't happened and the Ukrainian people are far more resilient than most expected. So who has the strategic advantage on the ground at this very moment? I don't know. But Russia was clearly the aggressor in this scenario. Mm -hmm. Ukraine did nothing to threaten Russia's national security. And so I am hopeful that Ukraine can maintain their independence. I agree. I mean, I was I, I think I predicted about two months about a month and a half ago. So Aaron pointed out a prediction I made earlier that was correct. Here's one I made that was wrong that that I thought about a month and a half ago uh, if particularly China's patience with this was going to wear thin. And if Putin wasn't able to uh, accomplish his objectives by the end of April, then this mission was in trouble. Well, we're approaching the end of May, and it just seems like we are in a very, that's what I love about your analysis, that we, actually with a couple of different decisions, World War I could have ended in about four to six months. And for whatever reasons, the Germans' brilliant military genius from the time of Bismarck and Prussia uh, uh, did not uh, recognize those signs and played it coy. And then this thing ended up mushrooming and ballooning into the war that ended all wars and became the worst war in world history at that point in time. And you do wonder about that because here's the thing. I, I, I guarantee you that Putin did not think he was still going to be in a ground war in Ukraine three months into this. I guarantee you didn't. But I also don't trust the quote-unquote experts that guaranteed that Russia was going to roll over us because a lot of them are the same experts that told us that Donald Trump was a Russian asset because Putin had a P-tape of him, correct? So that's our, that's our point. I, we don't know what to trust. I don't know whose angle to trust. Everything just kind of seems like everybody is projecting their biases into this and is determined that they can just abandon all pretext, Aaron, of any objectivity whatsoever. I mean, it's like this thing started with mission creep. Correct, which is our foreign policy when it comes to uh, anything military. Military, it's uh, what is the objective here? What's what's the objective? What, what is the end goal? What would you like to see accomplished? I, and I don't think uh, that's been answered. And I, I, I just, I'm not going to just make poop up. I have no idea what's going on there because anytime I see something to do having to do with Ukraine. Uh, with very limited e exceptions, uh, and what I mean by that is is war reports. This was overtaken or retaken. This was uh, surrendered. I just ignore it because I don't know what's real. And can you, I, I, Ghost of Kiev? Anyone? Um, I I just don't know what's real because the same people. It was it was clear for about the first two weeks. This was the new current thing. 
and then they realized that the current thing wasn't taking, and so now it's just gone, kind of gone to, as you said, mission creep, and uh, it, it's just festering right now. So I got, I got nothing. I, like I, like I alluded to the other day, maybe, maybe the tesseract is hidden there, and maybe that's why uh, the West is so <laughs> invested in trying to defend Ukraine. I, I don't know. To me, the biggest fear of them all, and I've said this from day one. Is Putin can and since he is the aggressor here, he cannot take an L. And so you start asking yourself, again, back to your guns of August metaphor from a minute ago. What how far is he willing to go? I mean, we got huge headlines that Finland and Sweden are gonna join NATO. Of course they don't want to host any bases or contribute anything on a military basis. They kind of did. You guys get that when they gave you the, the 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 huge screaming headlines? Did you read the actual story where they both said that? I mean, I just it's Francis Collins' Veggie Tales sing song Christianity. That's so we want to join NATO, but we don't yeah. actually want to participate. What the hell is that? Okay. They want they want they want the defense that that. Yeah, they, they, they want they want America to subsidize their defense against Russian hegemony in the Baltic. That's what they really want. Yes. Let's get to the exit question. Um. I asked this question again after I asked it last week, but given the Ukrainian port surrender this week, let me ask it once more. 90 days from now, what is the status of Ukraine as a country, Todd? The same it is today. This just goes on into perpetuity. Well, I don't know perpetuity, but you gave me 90 days. Okay. So you, you, think, you think by 90 days, Putin does not escalate? And he just continues with this war of rigor mortis? That's yeah. that's because that's really what I'm asking. Yeah. What, what's what's what is what's the timetable you think Putin has on himself before he just says switch? I'm out. Yeah, uh, this has to end. I don't think it hits it in 30 days. Okay, I said 90. Yeah, excuse me, 90 days. I'm okay. sorry. I meant right. three months. Paul, what do you think? Yeah, look, not to be redundant. I mean, the short answer is I have no way of knowing. But as a as a counterpoint to the port surrender story, you know, Newsweek put out a story earlier this week that said an estimated. One third of Russia's ground troops have been lost during this conflict thus far. That's that's a massive toll. So my gut feeling is that Ukraine is still a sovereign nation 90 days from now, but I could easily be proven wrong. Okay, Aaron, I think it continues to fester. So here's our kicker question for issue four this week. What would you do? And maybe this is why China is showing a lot of patience with what Russia is doing in Ukraine is they're watching. What would you do if you were president and China invaded Taiwan? Aaron, go. I would immediately cut off all economic diplomatic ties with China and might continue, might consider uh, tactically bombing some of their military facilities. Because it, what what happens then? I mean, you know, China already has so much. Like, if they get Taiwan, a lot of our goods and a lot of our our chips and things like that for electronics are already made there. You don't really have anything to lose. Todd? Yeah, e- uh, divesting economically and telling them that whatever debt you think we owe you uh, will never, ever be paid if you do this. Paul? Yeah, I mean, Taiwan is obviously a more strategically important ally in terms of trade and our economy than the Ukraine. So I think more aggressive intervention could be justified or at least not be as unpopular with the American public. 
But look, say what you will about President Biden, and there is no shortage of legitimate criticisms to make about how he has governed. But I think, by and large, if we remove the price tag of the aid we've been giving the Ukraine at a time when our own economy is so obviously hurting, he, he has navigated this situation on the world stage fairly well. NATO is more united than ever. Russia is more isolated than ever. And I think those outcomes could serve as something of a deterrent if China was considering such a move. Well, it's funny you should say that because I was actually going to suggest the administration's made a huge mistake by not making the case from the outset that if, if this is their policy, that Russia has to be contained, okay, and, and Ukraine is, if, if I'm taking them at their word, and this really isn't about protecting some other third interest, which is what I really think, but I'll just take them at their word, then to me, there's an easy uh, or a simple connection to make here is if we set the precedent that Putin gets to run over whatever he wants in the Baltic, what do you think, what do you think the message China gets over there in the Pacific Rim about what they then get to do? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Is to link those two things. But they haven't done that. Why? Well, that's what makes me suspicious that this is really about um, something noble and not about something else. Let's get to our predictions. Aaron, quickly, go. Uh, By the end uh, of the summer, uh, at least... Uh, two more uh, high-ranking, like we just had uh, the press secretary step down, at least two more high-ranking White House officials will step down. Todd? Between next September and the election, we will have sheriffs entering schools and arresting groomer teachers. Wow. Paul? Tough to follow. Uh, From your lips to God's ears. Go ahead, Paul. Governor Brian Kemp will absolutely humiliate that spineless, flaccid, empty vessel known as David Perdue next Tuesday, and thus mortally wounding the narrative that Trump has blanket control over the GOP. Yeah, Brian Kemp's going to destroy David Perdue. I agree with that. If Republicans, here's mine, if Republicans win back the White House in 2024, Democrats in California and New York will approve of either protecting or decriminalizing laws against minor attracted persons by 2026. And I say this because we saw this pattern in 2016 after Trump won the White House. The legislatures in those two states immediately went out there and codified abortion like up to the point of birth. They were discussing what happens after the birth and the Virginia governor was talking about, well, they put the kid in the pan and the mom just, right? Okay. That's how they reacted when Trump won in 2016. And so that's what I think would happen if a Republican, and let's face it, it's 99.9% that if a Republican wins in 2024, the name is either Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. Fair. If a Republican wins in 2024, they will follow that pattern and and, and do that now when it comes to minor attracted persons in those states. Escape from New York, Paul. Now, while you can. Paul, good to see you. We'll give you some. We'll give you a few more weeks to work up uh, your next uh, attempt to win the the heart of Jill Savage. All right, have a good one, man. My next song is going to be about Finland, so we'll, we'll see. <laughs> All right, take care. Hour two and Feedback Friday is next. We're back with hour two live and on demand. Right here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. He's Aaron McIntyre. He's Todd Erzin. You can let us know who you are by emailing the show, 
We've got some breaking news, by the way, we have to let the audience in on. We'll tell you that here in just a moment. Email the program, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, uh, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Follow me at Steve Day Show on Getter and Twitter. Get clips of the show that are free to watch and also censorship-free when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Also, don't forget we're on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace. And if you are a podcast listener, please leave us a five-star review. And hit subscribe or follow. Thanks to all of you that are podcast listeners who have already done that for us as well. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Omega XL. 360 places in your body from your neck to your feet called joints that are key for us to remain active as we get older. But as we get older, they can also become hubs for inflammation. That's why you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory that is backed by going on three decades of clinical research and now about three years of me using it on a daily basis so I can testify to just how good of a product Omega XL really is. And if you want to try it now, because you want to finally confront the chronic pain or the lingering achiness, soreness, uh, stiffness in your back, your neck, your knees, your hip, likely caused by that inflammation, you want to finally confront it. Give Omega XL a shot right now. You can buy one bottle. Get a second one for free when you go to OmegaXL.com slash Steve. That's OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Or give them a call at 800 844 4888. I mentioned we have some breaking news, and we do. This is out of the Durham trial, the Durham investigation into the true origins of the fake Russian collusion narrative. Where did that begin? Robbie Mook, that may be a name familiar to some of you. He ran Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign in 2016. He has testified under oath. In Durham's latest trial, he has testified under oath that Hillary Clinton approved the dissemination, personally approved it herself, the dissemination of the debunked Trump Russian bank allegations or the Russian collusion allegation, a portion of the Russian collusion allegations. He has testified to this under oath that she personally approved of disseminating that information to the media. Anybody that read or saw Primary Colors back in the day, which is an incredible story, and it's about the Clintons, and it's about how they basically lost their souls to politics. And at the end, the woman who does all their oppo research for them walks, played by Kathy Bates, she walks away because it's she gets them the oppo research that they want but and, just, and wasn't going to give it to them, but then decides she's going to give it to them to see if they still are the same hippies that she fell in love with uh, at, at, at university, or if they have essentially become the new Nixonians just with Democrat policies instead. So she she gives them the oppo research on Paul Songus, which is the character played by uh, uh, Larry Hagman in the film. Uh, they they give it to to that she gives it to him to see if they'll act on it. And what do they do at the end of the film? Without batting an eyelash, they absolutely do, and it's actually Hillary who takes the lead on acting on the Apple research and Bill's like, I just kind of goes along. So this is of course not a surprise or shock to any sentient being within the nine realms. It's just a surprise or shock to see Robbie Mook, her former campaign advisor admit it under oath 
in the Durham trial here today. I any think the any thoughts act, on this before we go to Feedback Friday? I think the left act actually hopes she gets put in jail at this point so they can gaslight it. Yep. <sighs> All I want to say is uh, rest in peace, Robert Mook. You know what? Hold on a second. I need to tweet that. Thank you. Um, let me tweet that right now. Hashtag uh, Robbie Mook didn't kill himself. Well, I'm tweeting that out. Hashtag in real time. Thank you, Aaron. I want to make sure we get that trending. I'm here for you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. All right. Let's get to some feedback Friday. You guys ready to go? Yep. Let us delve now in to the stevedays.com inbox. This note is longer than what I would typically share. But when I get to the end of it, you will be glad that I did. Okay. You guys have said two things repeatedly over the last few months on your show. Let's find out. And where are the dads? Recently, my 10-year-old son had an experience that is beyond encouraging for the times in which we live. My youngest son, uh, he's just your average, fun-loving 10-year-old. He does not have an aggressive bone in his body yet. Let's just say the testosterone has not quite kicked in. But there's a bully at his school, and this kid has been a bully for years now. I do not blame the kid at all. I absolutely blame the parents. My son has had multiple run-ins with him over the years. I know you have a spot in your heart for standing up to bullies, so I wanted to share this. My son and I have talked repeatedly about standing up for ourselves, standing up for our faith, and standing up for those that cannot fight back. I fully realize that standing up for yourself and knowing that there may be a threat of violence can be scary for an adult, much less a 10-year-old kid. I've had multiple conversations with my son that violence is not an answer, but if someone else uh, inflicts violence on you, you must defend yourself. We have talked about the fact that if if that happens, then you are to not respond with flight, but with fight As a dad, I don't know if this is right or wrong. Oh, it is very right. I've read to the end of the note. It's very right. I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I've told my kids that if another person hits them, they then are to defend themselves and keep defending themselves against that person until um, someone pulls them off. I realize this may not be a turn the other cheek viewpoint. Turn the other cheek is not about self-defense. It's about vengeance. It's about seeking vengeance and validation for yourself. It's not about self-defense or defending the innocents that are under your charge. That's not what it's about. It's about vengeance. But I will not apologize for my sons defending themselves, nor should you. They were made that way by their creator. If they can't learn to defend themselves, then how in the world will they learn to defend their wives and family? Exactly. That's why you shouldn't apologize. They were made that way. By their creator. Exactly. This classmate of my son's had actually broken one of uh, his friend's collarbones uh, the week before in a seven-on-seven flag football league. The next, the next Wednesday, the boy came up to my son and pushed him and made my son spill his lunch all over himself and the floor in the cafeteria. That Friday morning, I spoke to the teacher and asked her, what do I need to do to ensure my son is not in the same class as this kid next year? She said she, said she would help with that process, but she could not guarantee it. Well, my son guaranteed that for me the same day in lunch. There was a table of boys and a table of girls eating lunch, which is normal for fourth graders. The bully gets up unprovoked, goes over to the table of girls and looks at one of the girls and tells her, why is your forehead so big and why are you so ugly? By the way, that is learned behavior. That boy has modeled, that has been modeled to that boy from what he is seeing from somewhere else, maybe even in the home. Am I right? Absolutely you're right about that. 
This little girl, of course, breaks down into tears. My son hears what he says, sees the girl's response, and he's finally had enough. He walked over to the bully and starts throwing punches. He continually hit this kid in the head in the face until one of the coaches on cafeteria duty pulled him off. They're in the fourth grade. No one's going to the hospital or in critical condition. So, so Steve, here's where it really gets good. I don't know, brother. I kind of thought this thing was good already. It's going to get better than this? Okay. Uh, my son is told to sit back down, and the bully who is crying and screaming is told by the coach to go to the office. The coach, who's a strong Christian man, doesn't really say a word to my son, just lets him sit back down with his friends and calm himself down. The bully is the one who is separated, correct? The bully is singled out, correct? The bully got his ass whooped and had to do the walk of shame in front of the school, correct, correct, correct? The average kid who just wants to eat his lunch with his friends sits back down and continues lunch, also correct. Again, uh, can this check any more boxes? I don't know if this this note's doing it for you guys, but it is certainly doing it for me, okay? The assistant principal comes to my son later and they have a talk. They talk and, and my son gets in-house suspension for the rest of the day. I get a phone call from the assistant school principal and it's very cordial, positive, and actually completely affirms my parenting. The assistant principal tells me my son told him he knew he would be in trouble, but he said he didn't care. He said my son fully accepted responsibility and had no remorse, but was also not upset about being in trouble. He took full responsibility for his actions. The assistant principal said my son told him that since no one else was going to deal with it, he did. My son just told him that he was tired of this kid and so was everyone else. The assistant principal asked my son if this was going to happen again. And I was told that your son looked me right in the eye and said, if he acts better, no. But if he doesn't, yes, I will do it again. That may have been the best gift a dad could ever get. A son exerting conviction and character to an authority figure without being prodded. It was a surreal moment. Here's the best part of this. Again, I don't know. This is pretty good so far, guys. This has got a good beat and you can dance to this one. Okay. It's been over a week since this happened and the bully has not returned to school. Not one day. I've tried to talk to my son that if he comes back, you can act like nothing happened. You can be the bigger person and maybe you can help lead this kid into being a good classmate. Uh, This bully now knows what his boundaries are and you have helped him to, you've helped to set them. There's no need to further embarrass him by talking about it. Good, good. These are all good things. Everyone deserves a chance at redemption. Very good. And my son, you can be an example of that. Just move on. But he knows full well that he will get another ass beating if he gets out of line again. When my son and I talked about this, I told him how proud I was for standing up for others and himself. He asked me what he should do if things like this happen again. I looked at him as proudly as I could and asked him a question. What would Captain America say about that? His eyes beamed with pride and a huge smile came across his face. And he said, Dad, he'd say, I could do this all day. (laughs) Damn right, son. My son had his first let's find out moment. He was scared, but he fought through that to do the right thing for his friends. We have to be calling out and challenging men to do the same. So your second phrase, where are the dads? I'm convinced that if there were more dads and active dads, they would not be, there would not be the need for so many let's find out moments amongst the kids. Remember that story from earlier this year where the dads show up in the school, in the school halls and all of a sudden everybody starts coming correct, right? Yes, indeed. Um, Keep calling us out. All of us, including me, challenge us all gas no breaks. That's from Mark. And that, that made my day. It made my day to read it the first time to myself. It made my day to read it the second time out loud to all of you. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Fourth grader. Fourth grader, right? Yes. I mean, 
If a fourth grader can do that, do you think you can as well? I, I think so. But what um, what an indelible mark that that kid has now to lean back on. That's like the baseline expectation, at least for the rest of his childhood, if not for the rest of his life, about how these types of manners are, are, are settled. Not necessarily with violence, but with knowing what your job is. The violence isn't the point. It's he, he knew he knew what was right and what was wrong, and he took action. That's the baseline expectation, hopefully, for this kid, the rest of his childhood, and probably the rest of his life as well, because of this because of this instance. So that was a joy to listen to. You know, I have four daughters, but the conversation I had with them before they went off to preschool and preschool in a Catholic school, uh, small number of kids, you know, easy, far easier to control the chaos. But I told all of them, the one thing I expect from you. It's not A's and B's versus C's. Nothing of that. It's that if you see bullies, you stand up to them. I did that with my little girls. Yes, daddy. And now I've got uh, girls who do. And the senior who just had a profile written about her in conjunction with uh, State coming up. The gaslighting that comes on on Twitter. Normal amounts. Telling the, the paper, how dare you? publish somebody who's so hateful that this is what they're going to do with you uh there's no way around it 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 doesn't matter if you're like my daughter and hasn't caused trouble for anybody they will paint you this way so you need to have your sean connery in you what are you prepared to do and there's no there's no talk like i don't know that kid probably hasn't come back for very terrible reasons yeah it's very very sad it's very sad but it was going to be sad no matter what. Yeah. That, that's the thing. You, and you, all you had is in that moment, her hurt and his chaos. And you had to make a choice. And you needed to make, if, if he has any chance, even with whatever he's dealing with now, he couldn't keep going down this road where his salvation is viewed through the pain of others. That's exactly right. And you said, right. this yes. stops right damn now you're gonna feel a little bit of pain yourself you're gonna feel a little bit and you need to and you earned it and i'm happy to do it for you but then you're right absolutely if that kid comes back hopefully there's some restoration unfortunately it appears your son is gonna have to be in charge of that too i know you (laughs) talked about a nice christian man and they're like why in the hell does this go on because all of you are a bunch of damn Christian banjo playing veggie tail SOBs who need to look below and find out whether you were in fact born a man or a woman and do what must be done. Can I just do the final live read? Can we just end that sure. end the show on that note? Just get out of here and just, or maybe just roll that on a loop for the next 45 minutes. Because nothing, nothing forthcoming will be more important or impactful than what he just said. As it turns out, I woke up Erzin this morning. <laughs> uh, this note is uh, uh, not going to be quite as fun to read. The thing is, both you and Hannity are cut from the same cloth, Steve. Uh, you're both. <laughs> just let me finish. You're both egotistical and judgmental. Both of you that have a following that amounts to cultish acclaim. Your proclamations of your own Christian-based ideation is wrong, 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 as you repeatedly rush to judgment of others with your own biased ideations. 
There is none of Jesus' meekness in any of you or your fellow compatriots on the show during the two hours you spew your vial. Though I find it interesting, although I find interesting your knowledge of politics, there are times you're bent on proclaiming your Christian base. It turns my stomach as much as other money-hungry preaching fornicators that are on at midnight begging for the ignorant to send them their money. That is from Didi Karenbauer. Here's why I wanted to read this. <laughs> That's not why, but funny. Now, the, the reason I wanted to read this is number one. I, the la- believe me, the last thing I want to generate. So, so don't, you don't need to do this. I don't need a bunch of you to like send notes to me. Hey, you're doing a great, I, don't do that because it will kind of affirm her point. Okay. I, I don't want a cultish following. I don't want that. I mean, in many respects, she is, she is contradicting herself. On one hand, she claims I have a cultish following. And then on the other hand, she claims that I proclaim Christ way too much. Well, the reason I do that, frankly, is so that I don't have a cultish following. He deserves the following. I don't deserve anything. I'm a kid born to a 15-year-old mom. Uh, I already have been given far more than I deserve, beginning with salvation. Now, I'm fairly confident what I just said has, does, is, is, has nothing in common with what transpires on Sean Hannity's program on a daily basis. But I also don't want to have a cultish following. I don't want people to do things because I said to do them or vote ways because I said to vote certain ways. If I like a candidate, I will tell you. And I'm not endorsing that candidate because I don't want them to win. But I even told you last week when the Pennsylvania thing was going on, vote the way you want. Make it, you guys are on the ground there. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, my, my major issue with that candidacy, with Kathy's candidacy, was I thought a completely unfair standard of, quote unquote, of a fallacy known as electability was being put on an open Christian woman that was not being applied to everybody else. And so I felt an obligation to defend a sister. That's all. Whether you thought she was or wasn't the best candidate in the race really isn't for me to say. Here's the other thing, though, I, will, I, I wanted to address with this note. If you think, first of all, I am a phony. And so is Todd. And so is Aaron. And so are all of you. To some degree, we are all phonies. There is no such thing as a non-hypocritical believer. If we were capable of living out the fruit of the Spirit, living Christ-like meekness totally on our own and in our own power, we wouldn't have much of a need for Christ, would we? Right. Right. So, yeah, I'm a phony. Follow me around. Follow the deep, dark recesses of my brain and some of the things that I ponder or am tempted by or want to indulge in. You'll find a lot of things in there that are hypocritical to Christianity. Absolutely. We're all phonies. Actually, the first step to becoming a real Christian is to admit you're a fraud in some respects. You're a sinner. You can't do this on your own. And by continuing to try, you will just continue to wreak more havoc upon yourself and those around you. Again, I, I think I'm aware enough of Sean Hannity's content. I don't know that you'll ever hear anything like that on his program. But if you believe that I am peddling 
something that is phony. Not that I'm a phony, because I freely admit that I am, Um, because we all are. Uh, But if you think that what I'm peddling is phony, then you should absolutely have the same reaction that Dee Dee does here. And you should do everything you can to try to steer people clear of ever approaching this program for failure of being deceived. Just as I do that, when I think people are deceiving others, you hear me say, hey, don't, hey, that guy I think is a deceiver or that, I think that show, uh, that's a heretic. Don't do that. I do that, right? Yeah. If you think I'm doing that, I would full-fledged urge you, by all means, let that thought be known. So, Didi, what I would tell you, this may surprise you, don't send this note to me. That's just a rant. That's just, you know, having a tantrum. If you're, if you really believe this about me, wherever it is that you live, if you run into anyone at all that, that, that listens or watches this show, make sure you share that opinion with them. They should hear it. Sending this to me won't do any good because if I, if I am what you think I am, it's not like I'm going to change my ways. I'm just going to continue the scam, right? I'm going to continue peddling the, the phoniness, right? Because it's, it's lining my pockets. That's the charge that she's making. Um, so sending this, like, what would be the point of sending a note to Joel Osteen? Hey, dude, do you, do you know you, like, never preach the Bible? If he's what you think he is, and he is, um, he's already aware of that, correct? Mm-hmm. So sending him your lament will just go into a circular file, okay? Send it to tell other people to, so that they avoid falling into his orbit. So I would urge you to take your message, DD, to everyone you know. Assuming you're listening, and history has shown that the people that tend to send these notes tend to listen almost as much as anybody else does. So assuming you're listening, maybe you're not. I hope you're not. And if you think this, don't be listening anymore. You know? So, and don't send me these notes. Because if I am what you think I am, I'll just continue on with the scam you think I'm scamming. Instead, you should go to everybody within your orbit and make sure they completely steer clear of noon to two Eastern on the blaze because that guy is a total phony and he's peddling phoniness. Let's move on. Brian Neal says, could not the World Health Organization just declare gun violence a pandemic in the U.S. as a backdoor, think Lindsey Graham way, uh, to supersede, you guys are actually now dropping the Lindsey Graham references and I got to tell you, I dig it. Uh, as a backdoor way to supersede the Second Amendment and remove guns from law-abiding citizens under this new master plan. Yes. Yes. We don't have any national sovereignty right now. That's why I've not spent a lot of time on this story. Because the only sovereignty we have as a nation right now is 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 exerted on a molecular granular level what are you willing in your home and then your family and then your community what are you willing to comply with and what are you willing to not comply with fourth graders in the lunchroom for that's example. exactly right yes that is that is now the extent of american sovereignty folks you live in a country where drug cartels from another country fly drones over your sovereign lands in order to spot where your almost non-existent border patrol is in order to circumvent it by um, in exporting even more drug mules, even more opioids, and even more human traffickers. 
you're not a sovereign people. We're not a sovereign nation. Didn't we just spend the last 26 months being prove, proven that? Can't have a job unless we violate your bodily autonomy. Can't show up at this building unless you choke yourself out. Can't leave your house. Isolate your loved ones. Don't go to church. We don't, we don't have any national sovereignty. This is a failed nation state, guys. It's a failed nation state. This is uh, copyright Dave Reboy. This is late republic nonsense, okay? That's what this is. You don't have, there's no, that's the good news. Don't get all paranoid about the WHO thing. Because you're, you don't have it now. So all these questions all come down to what are you willing to comply with? You want to know what your national sovereignty is? I won't put this on Twitter and Facebook, but I'll say it here. Should I say it? Hell yeah, I'm going to say it. Your second amendment is your national sovereignty, guys. That's your national sovereignty. It's your second amendment. That's the only border that exists in America today, anywhere. That's your national sovereignty. So, which I think you sense, Brian, which is why you're framing the question this way. But if you would just hand over your guns to the World Health Organization, you're not worthy of a Second Amendment anyway. That's... Sovereignty is now what will you as an individual, your home, your family, your household, and your community, what will they comply with? Whatever you're willing to comply with, they are going to do to you. And I mean, whatever. Whatever you will comply with, I promise you, they will do it to you. Whatever. That is the new definition of American sovereignty. Any thoughts on that? That's dark, but it's real. And that's what we do here. It's, uh, it, that's not mere rhetoric. Uh, you've let way too much go for way too long in the name of your comfort. You must be willing to, and you, it, it's, that's not a now thing. Again, it's always been an American thing. It's always been a Christian thing. The amount of sacrifice you would put in to make things better, because that's the math of this thing. There is no cruise control. Each generation must take a stand, must stand a post. Yet many of you won't. I would just say as well, uh, you know, if you've been thinking about getting a gun or ever wanted to, probably should do some research and move on that now before they get any more expensive. That's that's all I'm saying. We're not joking. We're not being hyperbolic. No. The road that this goes down ends at the barrel of your gun, probably. I mean, that's the road that it went down at the start of this story, thing called the American story. That, is that not how this whole thing started? Yes. So I don't know why we would just assume we would be exempted from that for all of eternity. The founders didn't believe that. That's why they gave us the Second right. Amendment in the first place. They anticipated, hey, if this could happen in our day, understand they thought they were the progressive age. They're post-Reformation, post-Enlightenment, post-Renaissance. They're the Gilded Age. They're the progressive thinkers of the time. They're all Ivy League educated. And so they're like, dude, if this could go down in our modern age, <laughs> Right. If you go down in our modern age, then this could go down in any age. That's why they put the Second Amendment there. James writes, you guys are the best power trio since ZZ Top. 
I'll take it. I thought that was one of the best and coolest compliments we've ever gotten as a show. Amen. Amen. I thought that was, Aaron is like, what is a ZZ top, right? From your generation. But if you're our generation, you totally get it. Sleeping bag, man. Yeah, absolutely. Another uh, sharp dressed man. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great compliment, James. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, LaGrange, that's from Ron, the voice in my ear. You guys never hear. That's going way old school. That's almost before you and I's time. We go back to LaGrange. That's old school. ZZ Top. So we've got more. um, Let me see. I'm going to try to get through as many of these as I possibly can for Feedback Friday. Over under three. You think it's three? And you know what's, you know, out of spite, I try to do more than that whenever you do that. Still doesn't work. It still doesn't work. Are these guys hobos or something? Even my, what's that? Are ZZ Top hobos or something? You shut your your damn mouth. They they look like hobos. You look like you're fired. Yeah. All right. (laughs) We'll come back with more in a minute. If you're a dog owner, then that pet means more to you and your family than just giving it food and water. The health, happiness of that pet is important to you, and it brings you happiness uh, to make it happy. So that's why we've been telling you for a while now about Rough Greens. It's the supplement powder that you mix in with your pet's food because it puts back into your pet's diet the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients, a lot of which that were stripped out of that food before it ever left the factory and got to the store. Same reason they do it to the people food that we eat these days uh, for mass distribution. That's why we take so many supplements as humans. And now there is one for your pet. And if my dog Cap is any indication, it's also delicious. I can't say I've tried this one. Uh, Thank thank you. Is that a new sound effect? I like it. Okay. So um, if you want to give Rough Greens a shot, See, if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less, maybe you're skeptical, I get it. We'll give you the first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free. You'll pay for the shipping because if you put a little money in, you're more inclined to go ahead and try it. And we think it's good for your pet, so we want you to. All right, take advantage of this special offer when you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F. That's how they spell it over there, roughgreens.com, or you can call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG. All right, let's get back to Feedback Friday. This is from Tom G. He writes, in the last few weeks, I've had a a real come-to-Jesus moment on who I take seriously in the talk radio sphere. Listening to Hannity during my afternoon commute is now a test of my intestinal fortitude to not drive off a cliff after hearing him say literally the same things over and over and over again. The number of lemmings that parrot his talking points is nauseating. I do have to say, however, earlier this week, he was complaining about people calling him out for supporting a transhumanist in Oz. He literally literally said, listen to this, guys. He literally said he was going to get to the bottom of the complaints against him. <laughs> I laughed so hard I almost drove off the road. I was half expecting Lindsey Graham to call in so he could join in on getting to the bottom of it. That is from Tom G. I think I need to stress to you folks that I am second generation national conservative host. Okay, a second generation. What is that? Why is that important? Because Sean Hannity and these people are not my peer group. I grew up listening to the same stuff you guys did. I let D- David Limbaugh is a friend of mine. He wrote the foreword to my book, Rules for Patriots. We were on the cruise campaign together. I've never met Rush Limbaugh. I've never physically met Mark Levin. 
I've never met Sean Hannity, although I, I've said this before. I think it should uh, be repeated beyond how nauseating I find his content and his approach to politics on a human level with the way that he is known to treat people in the industry. He actually has one of the better reputations in our industry. I have said that before, by the yeah. way, I just think we should say that again. Okay. Um, so I, w the reason why me being a second generation national talk host uh, is because I think it bears you guys to, or it's important for you guys to know that I was originally, if I'm second generation, then I, I, I was growing up a, a consumer of the first generation. So that also means I went through a similar experience to what you're describing, Tom. It's somewhere between, okay, you know, this content was great in 1995 or 2001, but times have changed. We need to evolve a little bit. Oh, we're still doing the same show we were doing in 1995 and 2001 with the same talking points and everything. I think that's, that's what a lot of people on the right, like Ted, falling in line behind the Ukraine narrative. I think a lot of that comes from people that were, you know, came of age politically in the Reagan era and just can't get over Russia because of the old Soviet Union. Hey, I get it. I've talked my I've talked myself about how difficult it is for me to set the we're America bitch kind of premises that I was raised with and the generation I was forged in to set that stuff aside and see the world for how it really is today. I get that. But I'm not just a producer of this content. I'm a consumer of it. So I've had my own come to Jesus moments, talking to people like you, Todd, and other mm -hmm. friends of mine over the years, like, is there something wrong with me? Or is this, just this show, so-and-so's show, or so-and-so's shtick or approach just isn't doing it for me anymore? Like, it doesn't seem to speak to where we're at right now. So I, I totally get that. And here is my hope and prayer. My hope and prayer is that in about 20 years, someone else in a large group of you will now be saying the exact same things about me. <laughs> That's my hope and prayer. Because A, that means the country survived that long. Because <laughs> I'm skeptical of that, frankly. And B, that means we survived that long. We survived long enough to see ourselves become the villain. That this show was successful enough to get to the point now where the next generation, the third generation of this arises now and realizes it's got different problems in 2040 something. And the stuff that we were talking about in 2021 seems trite and cliched. That's the natural ebb and flow of things. That's, that's healthy, actually. That's the natural transition of generations. Now, the problem we have is prior to this current generation. And a lot of it is life expectancy, but that's not all. Prior to this current generation, there was not nearly as systemic a problem with people just holding on and on and on and on and on and on as there is now. Do you guys know the Rolling Stones are going on tour again this summer? I did not. Yeah, they, after they buried Charlie the drummer, because he died at like 86, I think it was. They're going back on tour this summer, guys. I love Paul McCartney to death. He's on tour right now, guys. Paul McCartney is. Brought to you by Geritol. You know, I mean, this is different. 
There is something about this current generation that it doesn't want to let go and allow that natural transition that we were just talking about to take place. Because and that's, they think that's all there is, and, uh, Yes, and they're that special of a generation. And what would we do without them? That's part of it, too. Yeah. And, and so... As a result, we've got all kinds of people now, and you see this even in conservative media, we've got all kinds of people right now, uh, even on the right, who are, we're the side that supposedly believes in transcendence and more to life mm-hmm. than just a yeah. survival rate, right? We've got a lot of people in our own ranks that are still saying a lot of the same things they were saying 20, 30 years ago, even though 20, 30 years ago, Bill Clinton was signing the Defense of Marriage Act into law and almost every Democrat voted for it. It's just not the same. And I pray that the, the time will come that we'll be challenged with that same dilemma, that, it, it, that, it, that, it's, that it's time now for us to take the George Costanza tap out and, 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 you know, do a victory lap. And we'll see you guys on the flip side because it's time for a new generation to take over. Paul in North Carolina says, I just wanted to take a minute to thank you for exposing your audience to good people like Dr. Molly James. And she is good people. Uh, Last week, my wife and then me came down with COVID for the first time. We're not jabbed. We contacted the Molly James Clinic online and a physician's assistant called us within an hour and a half. She took the initial background info and told us the doctor would call us soon. After only two hours, the doctor called us and had our protocols and the ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine prescriptions and several other regular pharmacy prescriptions. My wife is over hers and I'm on the mend as well. Uh, although the sore throat with Omicron is a real mother. <laughs> so thank you guys for continuing to promote that. Thank you, Paul. And I wanted to mention this note because I, I have been remiss in not bringing this up. We have not brought these sources up where you can go to get treatment. I know there is a portion of our audience that got jabbed, particularly early on when there was a lot of promise and hope in these jabs, or maybe later on when you got coerced by a job. Now, Paul says he's unjabbed, but if you look at the numbers right now, Omicron, whatever the current Omicron variant is, because now we're not even sure what variant of the Omicron variant we're on, it is, it's, it's, it's terrible on the jabbed. And I hope, um, I hope Garrett Vanden Bosch turns out to be wrong, but right now we're looking at data that certainly looks at, it looks a little bit like what Garrett Vanden Bosch has been warning about for the last year and a half. If that's you, Molly and, and other people like her, or, or Frontline Critical Care, or COVID Critical Care Alliance, flccc.net, uh, jamesclinic.com, okay? Th- those people aren't like the medical system. You're not scarlet lettered to them because you took the jab. The way that they will deny children kidney, kidney transplants at a at Mayo Clinic if they're not jabbed. Uh, we, we don't operate like that here on this side. We th- still think you're a human being. So if that's you... And you have been jabbed, and now you're the latest to find out that at, ver- at the very least, this thing has waning efficacy. And at the worst, you're a victim of antibody-dependent enhancement, meaning you're attracting the virus to yourself now because of a substandard vaccination product. You can still go to these places, and they will happily help you. I don't think I've brought that up yet on the show, but so I wanted to, I wanted to put this note in the... Uh, in the rundown so I could so it would prompt me to remember to say that so Molly is simple jamesclinic.com flccc.net and there are several others as well but those are the two most prominent ones that are right off the top of my head right now that are happy to help you 
Uh, if you're finding out, oh, I got jabbed and it didn't work, as a lot of people are finding out right now. Uh, where to go next? Eric King has, I think, an interesting question. It would seem that perhaps one of the reasons that the left is rather shy when it comes to actively debating or acknowledging views even remotely approaching the right is not merely to discredit dissent by ignoring it, but also to avoid divulging details about their true worldview and the plans that they have because it would alienate um, not only their own base, but even maybe some of their more, more radical members at the moment. Aside from the maxim of Aaron's razor, which is, it's just demonic, bro, I would like to know your thoughts about how the left has managed to maintain such a broad sense of unity when there are probably very few specifics that large swaths of their base outside of higher education indoctrination camps would even agree on. This is a great question. Man, we could do an entire hour on this question, Eric. I know the answer. Because this isn't just... Oh, I'll challenge you on that here in a second. This isn't just the 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 theological component here, but there's a political science answer here too. What do you think the answer is, or at least one of the answers, Todd? They hate God and they hate you. That is absolutely one of the answers. But there's a lot of people within the Democratic Party, a lot of black ministers, non-white ministers, they would not fall in that camp. But here's the thing. You're starting to see slippage now, aren't you? I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You're watching the two parties flip identities, flip, flip ecosystems, habitats. For the longest time, and frankly, I got this from Rush. I just put my own spin on it. For the longest time, I used to say, if you ask someone why they're a Democrat, they'll give you an identity, right? I'm yeah. black, I'm Hispanic, I'm gay, I'm a teacher, I'm a single mom, etc. And if you ask somebody why are you Republican, they'll give you a value or, or an issue. I'm, I'm for low taxes. I believe in a strong national defense. I'm pro-life. They'll give you, right? Okay. And so the, the Republicans were the ideologically driven party. Which made them an excellent minority party. They were great at getting together on what they were going to say no to when the Democrats were in power. Terrible at governing in many cases because these ideologies often did not agree on what should be the priority issues to now govern on now that we're in charge. The Democrats were the coalition party. This is changing. What's happening now is the Republicans are becoming the coalition-led party. Elon Musk is the latest evidence of this. And what what is draw what drove Elon Musk? He 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 described it as the party of hatred and divisiveness. That's how he described it. But it's really their ideology. It's what their ideology has been really since the sixties, since the radicals took over with McGovern in seventy two. That this has really been. It's just a matter of whether they can successfully repackage it the way Bill Clinton did. But this is what this has been post-Carter. This is what the modern Democratic Party has been. It's just more uh, the most honest about it than ever. And now what you're seeing is you're seeing cracks in their coalition. The Quinnipiac poll that came out yesterday that showed a 26% approval rating with Hispanics. The whites that went to these higher education indoctrination camps that you're describing, Eric... They're the ones that have the maturity approval of the of, of Biden and, and the Democrats. 
It's not Hispanics. Right now, there was a poll just two weeks ago, black approval for Biden's administration, 66%. That may seem sky high to you. Folks, that's the lowest I've ever seen. You're seeing cracks. Trump already exploited these cracks when he took their rural base away from them, right? We saw Trump do that. And Iowa is a prime example. We have 99 counties in our state. One third of them voted for Obama once or twice and then turned around and voted for Trump twice. And we're a heavily rural state. So you saw Trump come along and with his populism, you saw him blow a full-blown schism between the Democrats and their rural base, right? That occurred. And when we started to see this with Trump in 2020, we're seeing it full-fledged now. You're seeing a schism between Hispanics and the Democratic Party. And now you're starting to see, even among blacks, real erosion. Now we're probably several years away from them even contemplating voting for Republicans on a mass scale. But the, but the steps that would get you to that point, you're watching that happen. And then at the same time, despite all the failures that we can all document, Karen in the suburbs triples down, quadruples down in these same polls on her support for Biden and the Democrats. Why? Because she's devoted. This is her ideology. You are now watching the Democrats become the ideologically driven party and the Republicans become the coalition driven party. And that explains why you are seeing real erosion amongst Several of what used to be, I mean, the term Reagan Democrat was basically created for rural or manufacture, manufacturing job Democrats who were socially conservative and pro-American. And then they turned around after Reagan and became deeply loyal Clintonistas and then Obamaistas. And now they're MAGA. So we saw the rural base eroded. You're watching the Hispanic base be eroded. And now you're seeing the early signs of erosion within their black voter base. Why? Because those bases aren't down with the spirit of the age. They were down with the original agreement, which is we want access to government. Republicans prevent us from that to feed their corporate whore buddies. And so we got to beat Republicans. That was the original compact. That was the original social compact of the modern Democratic Party. The deal has been altered. And they will alter it further. The deal is now, it's the spirit of the age, all gas, no brakes, or nothing. And that's why you're watching the ecosystems of the two parties change. Excellent question, Eric. We're going to stick around and do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, have a great weekend. We will see you on Monday, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.